<laughs> We're going to have the Bible read now by Jonathan and um, we, he'll be reading from verses from Psalm 69 and also we'll continue in Acts 1. But we need God's help, so I'm going to pray first. <laughs> Heavenly Father, um, we do need your help. We need your help to be still, uh, to hear your word, um, to have ears to hear. And we need your help to receive what we learn, um, especially as we uh, hear the apostles' witness to Jesus. Um, Help us to understand what that means for our own lives today and how we might honour you in our lives. We uh, commit this time to you and Stephen as he teaches us um, and thank you for the freedom we have to meet. Amen. So our first Bible reading is taken from Psalm 69. You know how I am scorned, disgraced and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. So moving on to our next reading, which is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days... Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. 
where there he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. Good morning, everyone. Is that working? Can you hear me? Good morning, everyone. My name's Stephen, one of the ministers here. And as I was thinking about it this week, I can only think of one time in my life where I witnessed something where my witness actually mattered. Um, So about 20 years ago, when I lived in, in Wagga, I used to live out on the uni campus, which was about 10 minutes out of town. And one night I was driving into town with a couple of other people and it was along a dark country road and in my headlights I I, I caught sight of someone walking towards me on the opposite side of the road. They were coming this way, I was going this way. And they were wearing a, a dark kind of coat. And just as I saw them in my headlights, I saw something else. In my rear vision mirror, suddenly I saw a car come up behind me and then pulled out onto the other side of the road And then I saw something terrible that that on the one hand seemed to happen so quickly, but on the other hand seemed to be almost like it was in slow motion at the same time. The car clipped the person walking. Their head hit the windscreen. They went up over the car and landed on the side of the road. Now I I pulled over and the other car pulled over and I I turned around in my car and, and the lights of my headlight picked up a lady sitting on the road with her hand on her head and and blood kind of running down. So we got out and quickly ran to it. And amazingly, apart from being a bit bit dazed and bleeding a little bit, she otherwise seemed pretty okay. This was 20 years ago, so we we didn't have phone reception in lots of places back then. So we, we quickly bundled her into the car, drove her into the hospital, handed her over to the nurses. And then do you know what happened next? Well, for me... Not much. Had to sit for hours and hours in the ED hospital and wait. And what we had to wait for was the police because they wanted us to give our witness statement. They wanted to interview us as witnesses. I think that's the only time that I can think of where where my witness really mattered. 
Because what I witnessed could have been the difference between that, that young guy who hit that lady being charged or not. Now last week, as we um, started the book of Acts, we saw that the task that Jesus gives his apostles is to be his witnesses. And this week, as the Bible was just read for us, we see that the focus is still their witness. Now you could maybe summarise what was just read like this. Matthias joins the other apostles as a witness with them of Jesus' resurrection. That would be a, a fair enough kind of summary, wouldn't it? Matthias joins the other apostles as a witness with them of Jesus' resurrection. But if we look a bit closer, there's actually more going on. Like to start with, why did they even need to add Matthias as an apostle when they already had 11? Now Luke records for here for us what happened at the very beginning of the church. It starts quite small, quite fragile. There's only 11 apostles. There's only 120 followers of Jesus altogether. And they have this huge task to bear witness to Jesus to the ends of the earth. And Luke records for us that they believed the task needed 12 witnesses. Now imagine that night I saw that lady get hit by a car Imagine if the, the police officer had turned up to the hospital and he sees that there's only three of us there and he says, I'm not going to take your witness statement until there's 12 of you. You need eight more people. Now, it wouldn't make any sense. But Peter stands up and he says to those who are there at the beginning, we need 12. And he tells them why. First, he tells them what had to happen was was terrible but but it needed to happen look at verse 16 he says brothers and sisters the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the holy spirit spoke long ago through david concerning judas who served as a guide for those who arrested jesus it had to happen that that one of jesus closest friends would betray him like we heard read in psalm 69 just just like David, God's chosen king, had some of his closest friends betray him. Of course, Jesus, God's ultimate chosen king, would face that same kind of betrayal. I remember someone once said to me that um, the opposition that hurts the most is not the opposition from enemies. It's always the opposition from those who are closest to you. Betrayal, it, it cuts you to the heart. It hurts. But Peter says Judas's betrayal, it, it hurts, yes, but it hasn't hurt the task. It was always God's plan that Jesus would die and it was even always God's plan that, that one of the people Jesus chose to be his witness would not only walk away from the task but would try to erase Jesus from the world. It hurt, but it needed to happen. And Peter says, now something else needs to happen. Something else needs to happen. Have a look at verse 21. He says, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who've been with us. And then verse 22, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And why is that? I reckon I would have, if I was Peter, I would have stood up 
And I probably would have said something like, don't worry guys, we don't need Judas. In fact, we don't need anyone. There's 11 of us still standing. Think about that, 11 out of 12. That's pretty good. But they don't see it that way. They don't see it that way because Jesus wanted 12 witnesses and because the Holy Spirit in Scripture tells them they need 12 and so there at the beginning, they all agreed the task needs 12. But why? Later on, when James the Apostle is killed, they don't replace him then. They just carry on with 11 living apostles. So why do they need 12 here in the beginning? It's because they rightly see what they are witnesses of. Jesus deliberately chose 12. He spent three years with those 12. And in that time, he he passed on his teaching and he passed on to them what his mission was all about. He called them apostles, which means something like a delegate, a delegate sent with a task. And after a a pretty bumpy three years where the apostles just couldn't quite see what what Jesus was doing, finally... Here, they get it. Finally, they they see they're sent into the world to bear witness to the fact that everything God's been doing across history, everything God's been doing across history has now come in Jesus. In the past, God raised up the 12 tribes of Israel to bear witness to him. That's what Israel does. It, It bears witness to God In the world, in a sense, it's what Israel still does, even today. And Peter and the others, they they rightly see, though, that now God has raised up 12 apostles to not simply carry on that witness, but to bring it to its final form. The 12 tribes of Israel, they bore witness that one day God's kingdom would come. One day it would come. But the 12 apostles of Jesus, they bear witness that it's here. That's why they needed 12. And it's why they needed 12 right from the beginning, because this message is now complete, final. The witness is that God's kingdom has now come in Jesus. Now is the time to get on board with his king and his kingdom. This messed up age we live in is is coming to an end but his kingdom will go on forever so get on board now before it's too late that's the task and the task of bringing this message untainted to israel untainted to the world needed 12 witnesses but what we see next is that the task needed 12 witnesses But not just any 12, the witnesses needed to be the right ones. So look again at verse 21 and notice what was required. Peter says, therefore it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us, of his resurrection. Now here we we get to see what's needed in an apostle. 
Now, first of all, we see they needed to be recognised by all the other apostles as being qualified. And they needed to have been an eyewitness, to have seen for themselves, been there themselves with Jesus right from the beginning of his ministry, right through to the end. And at the heart of it all, what they needed was to have been an eyewitness of Jesus really being alive again after he had really been dead. Right from day zero in Christianity, right from the beginning, what mattered in this movement is only what actually happened. Right from the beginning, this movement lived or died on what actually happened. The leaders, they saw that their authority was not innate within them or earned by them. It was dependent on whether or not something happened in history. You know, these leaders, they don't say, you should listen to us because we're secretly, specially chosen. They say, you should only listen to us because we are transparently chosen as those who saw. And if we're not that, if we can't be verified to be that, then no, you shouldn't listen to us. We're not worth listening to. That's very different to every other religion I can think of. Pretty much every religion I can think of is founded on one spiritual leader who bears witness alone. So Buddha, he... He receives amazing insights. He achieves amazing insights and enlightenment. But he does it alone. And then he becomes the interpreter of the way for others to that enlightenment. Or Muhammad. Muhammad goes into a cave and he hears God speak to him. Amazing things from God. But he goes alone. And he alone becomes the interpreter of what God really wants in the world. Or Joseph Smith sees angels and and finds golden plates and, and, and special glasses to read those. And he alone gets to read them. He alone becomes the interpreter of what God wants in the world. But the apostles see Jesus together. And it's not even just the 12 who see Jesus alive. But a group of 120 of them see him, even more see him. And this group of 120 and more recognises the apostles as God's chosen interpreters of what God is doing in the world, in history. That's very different. Often you come across people who think that Christianity is kind of like a collection of exaggerated spiritual stories that eventually at some point in time, hundreds of years later, come together. But that's nothing like how they saw it at the beginning, day zero. It's nothing like it's been seen at every stage in Christianity. They saw it as only ever having any value if it actually happened. Now, if you live back then and, and you said, I'm just not sure about this. I'm, I'm just not convinced. No one would be saying, look, just close your eyes and just focus on how you feel. Do you feel like it's true? 
Do you feel like it would fill a hole in your soul? Do you feel like this could make a difference in your life? No one would be saying that to you. What would they be saying? They'd be saying, if you're not sure, go talk to Pete or Matt or Jimbo James, you know, the apostles. Ask them what they saw. Grill them. Push them as hard as you like. They'll love it. And then if you want, if you're still not sure from talking to them, double check what they say. Go to the 120 who were there in in Jerusalem. Or go to one of the 500 around the place who saw Jesus resurrected at the same time. Ask them if what the apostles are saying is true. If, if, If we think Christianity is just about morals or just about making life more meaningful now, then we've missed what it's always been about from day zero. It lives or it dies on what happened in history. It always has. It always will. And since day zero, every single one of them got that. And so, of course, the key qualification for an apostle was that they actually needed to be witnesses of what happened. And so among the 120, they find two more people who've been with Jesus right since the beginning, right throughout, two more people who who saw the resurrection as well. And in verse 20, we read, so they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Now, this is a bit strange. Both men, right, are witnesses of the resurrection already. That's why they're nominated. But only one of these witnesses will become a witness of the resurrection. Do you see that? That's a bit strange. You know, that that night when we saw the lady get hit by the car, there were three of us in the car. And all of us witnessed something, but actually only two of us saw the whole thing. So there were, there were two of us who were witnesses of everything. But imagine if the police officer finally showed up in that ED room and he wants to talk to the witnesses and we say, well, we are both witnesses, but we're just going to throw this dice to decide who will be the witness. Now, I reckon he'd be a bit, bit confused at that point. He'd be like, aren't you both witnesses? And we'd be like, yes, both of us can witness to what happened, but one of us needs to be a witness to what happened. I reckon he'd be a bit confused. I reckon he might reach for his breathalyzer at that point. But the apostles, they find two witnesses who qualify, Joseph and Matthias, and they qualify because they are witnesses, but only one of them one of the witnesses is chosen to be a witness. Now, that's a bit confusing, but it's key. Now, let me me see if I can explain this. It's key to understanding what's going on. When I was in that um, ED waiting for the police officer, the driver who hit the lady was there with us as well. Now, what I witnessed was that just as the road was 60, just before it hit 100, I was travelling at around 60 k's, and the other driver, he moved into the other lane and he hit the lady. He never quite overtook me. 
it sort of happened as he, as he drew alongside me just as he was a little bit in front of me. Now, I could witness to those details, but what I couldn't witness to was their meaning. I could say what I thought they meant. So what I thought was happening was that he was going to overtake me and I, what I thought was happening that if he was going to do that, he was going to have to be speeding in that 60 zone to get around and, and, and overtake me just as it hit that 100 zone. And I, my thought was he was driving irresp- irresponsibly on that country road. But do you know what he said the events meant? He said he was swerving to miss a cat. And that's why he went over onto the other side of the road. Now, I, I don't really believe that, but it, it's possible, isn't it? So in the end, I, I could witness to the events. I could guess what they meant, but I couldn't really bear witness to their meaning with authority. But imagine if there in the ED, while we were waiting for the police, he'd said to me, I can't believe I hit that lady. I shouldn't, have been, I shouldn't have been trying to overtake you. It was reckless on that road. I was driving like an idiot. Now, if he'd said that to me, suddenly I'm not just a witness of what happened, but I'm also a witness of exactly what those events mean. I'm able to give more than just my opinion. I'm able to give an interpretation with authority because it, it came from the driver himself. Well, it's a bit like that here. That's what we're seeing here. It's a bit like that with the 12 apostles. 120 people were there in Jerusalem and saw Jesus resurrected. Other people were, weren't there but, but still saw Jesus resurrected. We're told in 1 Corinthians he appeared to 500 people at the one time. I'm pretty sure they had a, a good idea of, of, of what it all meant. But only 12 were authorised by Jesus to interpret his message with authority to the world. He authorises his apostles, his chosen delegates, sent with the task of, of taking the meaning of his resurrection to the world. So of course these 12 had to be eyewitnesses. Of course they had to be recognised by each other as eyewitnesses. And of course they needed to be not elected by people, but chosen by God himself which is why they they do something which seems a bit strange to us in verse 24. They pray, they don't hold an election, they cast lots. This is God's choice. So what's the significance of of all of of this for us today? Can you see the significance? The significance is that the task today still needs these witnesses. The way we go to the witnesses that Jesus gave us is is by going to the Bible. What we have in Scripture is the message of the Twelve. It's, it's their witness captured in words. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through their witness in Scripture. You know, the the New Testament, it's only ever been considered Scripture as it can be linked to the apostles. That's always been the case. The New Testament is only considered Scripture as it is linked to the witness of the apostles. Scripture is where we meet the authentic Jesus. And sometimes we think that that sounds a bit 
a bit dry and a bit kind of relationally distant. But it's not. What we'll see over the next few weeks is that we have the Holy Spirit of God personally, each one of us. We have God's Spirit directly living within us if we trust Jesus. But if we have the Spirit, then where he takes us is to what he's saying now through these original apostles. Never will he take us somewhere that contradicts what he has said through them. And do you see what this means? If you want to meet Jesus, what do you do? Well, it depends if you want to meet the real Jesus or not. Because if you don't really care about meeting the real Jesus, then you don't really need to care about anything that we're seeing in this passage. Like if you want to meet a Jesus, you could go to Muhammad. And what you'll find in Islam is that Muhammad will tell you he's the interpreter of God in this world. And Jesus, or Issa, he's just a prophet. It's a radically different message to the real Jesus. Or if you want to meet a Jesus, you could go to Joseph Smith. And what you'll find in Mormonism is that Joseph Smith will tell you that he's the authorised interpreter of God in this world. And what Jesus made clear was not actually clear enough, simple enough, timeless. You need Joe. It's a radically different message to the real Jesus. Or if you want to meet a Jesus, you could even go, if you want, to the structures of a church, of the church. You know, some churches will say to us, we need the institution of the church. We need extra information. Like you won't ever find purgatory in the Bible. You won't ever find the apostles talking about purgatory, some place you go after you die to be punished and purified before you go on. You'll never find that in the Bible. But you will in the official teaching of that kind of church. Or you won't ever find the idea that that you need to pray to saints to access their kind of excess grace that they stored up by all their good deeds and, and you can kind of tap into it. The apostles didn't say that. They'd never say anything like that. It's radically different to the message of the real Jesus. Or if, if you want to meet a Jesus, you could go to some versions actually of the unstructured church. Some unstructured churches. There are some churches that will tell us that, that we need an authorised interpreter of God, an authorised interpreter of what God is doing in the world right now that isn't the apostles in Scripture. They'll tell us we need a modern day prophet with new information, or a a teacher who can decode secret messages in the Bible. It's radically different to the message of the real Jesus. And always, any additions we're told we need to, to the apostles in Scripture always, in the end, prove to be contradictions. If you want to meet the authentic Jesus then you go to the people that he chose to be his authentic witnesses, his authentic interpreters. That's not me. That's not Mark. That's not anyone alive today. 
It's the original eyewitnesses who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, who are still speaking by the Holy Spirit to us today in Scripture. I don't think we we realise just how drawn we are to either go and find the interpreter of Jesus that we want out there or to be the interpreter of Jesus ourselves that we want. For some reason, we think we can easily bring ourselves to see the truth easily, you know, either by going and finding that right guru out there or by guiding our own minds and feelings to discover the truth. But God sees things very differently. He sees that we're incredibly prone to miss the truth about him. And so he has laid a foundation that is clear, simple and timeless. He sends 12 apostles who don't guide themselves into all truth, but who are guided and empowered and demonstrated to be legitimate by the Holy Spirit the Spirit who still speaks through them in Scripture today. Now, I know I'm I'm kind of pushing this point hard and and I was thinking, why am I doing that? And I was thinking, it's probably because even this week I've um, I've seen the mess it causes when we don't get this right. I've seen a friend get stung by a cult this week. And over the years, I've, I've seen a few people get hurt by cults. It's awful to see when, when God has made the truth so clear, so simple, so timeless. But you know, the truth is, we don't have to be in a cult actually to be pushing the wrong Jesus and pushing the wrong message. We just have to stop listening. Stop listening to the actual witnesses that Jesus has given us. Now hopefully, you've noticed about us as a church that we keep going to the Bible to understand Jesus. Because if we didn't, if we didn't keep going to the Bible, what interpretation of Jesus would we actually be giving? Who knows? And I hope as individuals, each one of us, that we keep going to the Bible ourselves, not just here, but, but in our community groups, In our daily lives, we keep going to the Bible to understand Jesus. And not just in a tokenistic way. Because if we don't, we should be wondering what interpretation of Jesus' message is filling the void in our lives if we're not doing that. It might not be the right one. One of the things I love about the way that Jesus has set things up is that if we just listen to the the apostles... We're not at risk of of the frauds that are out there. We're not even at at risk of the tricky frauds that are out there. You know, the people who quote scripture, the people who, who claim to be all about Jesus, the people who talk about the gospel and grace, but who actually aren't on about those things. They just have those words. If we listen only to the Holy Spirit as he speaks through the apostles in Scripture as the interpreters of Jesus, then the wonderful thing is that we can know without a doubt the real Jesus who really rose again in history and whose kingdom we really are invited to join right now. 
and we really can play our part in this task of making him known and inviting others to join his kingdom. To me, that's a wonderful thing. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that in Jesus, your kingdom has come and we are invited to be a part of it. Lord, we see that the mess of this world continues but will one day come to an end. But we also see that Jesus' kingdom will have no end. He is a king who will rule and reign forever and we thank you for the way that he has established that to be the case in history through people who saw it with their own eyes and who you appointed to be the witnesses and the interpreters of what happened. Father, help us to see the truth of this, to come to you in what you have provided through Jesus, through the apostles, by your spirit to understand and not to be tripped up by false interpreters all around us. Lord, help us to be those who delight in how simple and timeless and clear you have made things. Lord, help us to realize our hearts are prone to wander And we pray that by your spirit within each one of us, you would hold us to the truth as you have outlined it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.